Hello, and welcome to This Thing Called Life, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about acts of giving, kindness, compassion, and humanity. Your host, Andy Johnson, will introduce you to powerful stories about organ, eye, and tissue donation from individuals, families, and healthcare teams whose experiences will inspire you and remind you that while life is hard, unpredictable, and imperfect, it's also beautiful. We are so happy you're here. Now, let's join the show. Welcome to this thing called life. I'm your host, Andy Johnson, and I hope that your transition into 2022 has been smooth thus far and that you are feeling renewed and refreshed. And I also hope that everyone is staying as safe as possible as we continue to battle COVID. So just thinking about everyone as we're, we're, continuing this fight and just hoping again, everyone is doing what they need to do and being vigilant. So with the new year brings new beginnings. And with our podcast, we want to explore the truth about organ eye and tissue donation. As you know, there is a lot of misinformation and falsehoods about donation. Uh, and so one of our goals is to really dive in and talk about that uh, so that we can have a better understanding of what donation is and how it truly impacts others. And we feel that can be best accomplished by hearing from the people who have lived it, who have walked it, uh, can speak and share their experiences. And from there, we hope that people will take that information and do more research um, and understand more about how this life saving decision really does impact so many in our community. So I am so excited to welcome my guest today, Miss Kelly Williams. And Kelly's gonna talk with us about her connection to donation. And we're gonna hear her truth about something, again, that is literally life-saving. So with that, it is my pleasure to welcome Miss Kelly Williams. Hi, Kelly, how are you? I'm great, thank you, Andy. A pleasure to be on the show with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Why don't you tell, tell us a little bit about, about yourself? Okay, um, so again, I'm Kelly Williams. I am a living kidney donor, a proud living kidney donor. I donated my left kidney to a 12-year-old um, 13 years ago. It's actually coming up um, 13 years to the date. We transplanted on January 15th, 2009. So this weekend, we will celebrate our 13-year uh, kidney anniversary. Wow. Um, Congratulations. I know. Thank you. I couldn't even believe it. His name is Caleb. Um, and Caleb was 12 years old at the time. And Caleb just celebrated his 25th birthday last Friday. And I could not even believe how time has just been flying by. It's almost unbelievable. But he's in such a good place. And it's just, you know, the power of organ donation. I'm so happy that he can celebrate, you know, birthdays year after year and after year and just live a full life. So exactly, exactly. And I think what you just said really just represents it's it represents more birthdays, more just celebrations. Um, and you provided that to Caleb and his family. Yeah. And so what a blessing you are. Talk about I know that you had the opportunity to connect with Caleb and his family a few months ago and yeah. you guys hadn't seen each other in a while. What was it like just walking into that room and seeing him? <laughs> 
Well, at first it was hard to even recognize him. You know, when you get really busy, just living life and the years fly by, I could not even believe it. You know, when we transplanted, he was a child, you know, he was a 12 year old little boy. And so when I see him now, just a couple of months ago at 24, and now he just turned 25, he is a grown man. He's out of high school. Um, he's working, you know, and he is just being an adult. And so that was different for me because in my mind, he is always going to be forever trapped as this 12 year old <laughs> Caleb, but Caleb is getting older. I'm getting older. So to see him, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, this is exactly why I did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just to be able to see how good he's doing and how blessed he really is. And he is such a good man, such a good young man. It just makes me proud. I was going to say that had to be really just a proud moment for oh, you. Yeah. Just when you saw him and just to see how, you know, just the young man that he has grown into. I just, yep. that, that would take my breath away. It did. It did. So take us back. So 13 years ago, mm-hmm. you are working, you are, you're young. So you're probably kind of just you at that point, you're kind of getting your career going. Yeah. And you meet Caleb's mom. Yep. At the, at, at your place of employment. Yeah. So tell us that story. So, um, yeah, I was working in social services at the time and I was in case management and Temple, Caleb's mom, I met her at an organization where we both worked. And so we worked together uh, for about three years. And it was so funny every time I had not yet met Temple, but every time someone saw me or interacted with me, they're like, you remind me so much of Temple Parker. So I'm like, who is (laughs) Temple Parker? She was in finance at the time. And I finally had an opportunity to meet her and we just clicked instantly. And um, we really bonded very well. We forged a great friendship. And um, it was about three years into when when we were were working together, I ended up leaving the organization so that I could finish my master's degree. At the time, I went to focus on school and try to get Mm -hmm. out of there as fast as possible. (laughs) So I went to put as much effort as I could into my classwork so that I could graduate. And so we stopped working together. And I remember just, you know, again, we were really good friends. So I was checking on her. I knew that Caleb was starting to have some health complications. Mm -hmm. So um, and just one of our most random conversations. I'm like, how are you doing? How are the boys doing? You know, Caleb has two other siblings. And um, she said, they're all doing well. You know, Caleb is struggling a little bit with his health. And she proceeds to tell me, you know, he's got, he's entering some kidney failure. Mm-hmm. He is going to be on dialysis. Um, and so it kind of was really it progressed quickly. Mm -hmm. And in that conversation, I just asked her, you know, what does Caleb need? And Mm. she said, well, Caleb needs prayers. And, you know, I'm a believer. And I'm like, well, that's done. I'm going to do it. You got it. You'll be in my thoughts. You'll be in my prayers. You'll be in my family's prayers. But what, what does he need medically? Because I just didn't understand at the Mm -hmm. time. And she said, he needs a kidney. And I don't even remember where this came from. It's like, it's like when something comes out of your mouth and you don't even really realize what you just said. I didn't know where I just said, I'll give him one. 
And she said, that's cute. You know what I mean? At the time, she's like, oh, you know, I'm in my mid-20s. And she's Patty like, on oh, your head, like, oh, really Kelly. Know. I know, like, oh. <laughs> um, and I said, no, give them one. And I said, you have two, right? And I think well, from what I understand, you only need one. And she said, well, if you're serious, you know, let me just give you the number to our transplant coordinator and take it from there. If you're really serious, you decide if it's best for you and you go forward. And that's all she had to do. I did my research. I called the transplant coordinator. I got in for that first initial test and it was rocking and rolling every single week. He started to decline, his health started to decline pretty rapidly. And so I didn't want to waste any time. The faster we could go, I would go. And so after every test, we get our good results. I move on to the next one and I'd schedule the next one before I even left that place. And I'd schedule the next one just to make sure that we didn't lose any time. And um, it took about three months. I think we started this in September. And then in December, we ended up getting the call that um, our transplant date has been confirmed. And we were on the books for January 15th and we did it. And so, and at that point, Caleb was on dialysis, I think five days a week at Cincinnati Children's. And so it was not going well. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you, you saved Caleb's life. Definitely. Definitely. I was happy to do so too. It just, you know, when you do something like that, it gives you such a surge of mm-hmm. purpose and energy. And when people say that, you know, you saved someone's life and you donated the gift of life. I'm like, yeah, I did. It didn't feel like that at the time. It just felt mm-hmm. like I was doing what I was told to do. And so mm-hmm. the best possible outcome that could have ever happened happened. He's, he's doing well. He's blessed and living a great life. I'm doing well, blessed and living a great life. And we just, you know, (laughs) he has my kidney inside of him. Oh, yeah. Well, I I met Caleb many years ago, right after that transplant. And he was really shy at that point. So (laughs) I'm thinking now that he has your kidney, he's probably, he's (laughs) Maybe he's more of an extrovert now. <laughs> he is still shy. I'm like, he is a man of few words. Man he always few. has been. Yes, he is focused. He says what he has to say. And then that is all. And That's so I, I've always loved that about him. But he's got a great personality, great spirit, kind and polite. But just be mature. I feel like he's mm-hmm. always been mature way beyond his years, even when he was a little boy. Wow. So I'm going to take a turn here. As I, as I said at the beginning of the show, you know, we, we really want to talk about the truths about donation and one topic that comes up and it just, it, it, it will never go away. So we have to keep talking about it is this idea that people of color who are in need the most, let's, let's mm-hmm. be honest about that, uh, for kidneys. Yes. Um, it is people of color who are on the wait list, the majority of the, of, on the wait list for kidneys. Yet, it's not people of color who are willing to register mm-hmm. at, the same, at the same rate as white people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not people of color who are willing to go through the are willing to walk through the process that you did of being a living kidney donor. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I know I have my thoughts and I've shared my thoughts, but I'm always looking for other perspectives. And so I'd love to just hear from you. I, you have worked in the healthcare field. Sure. Um, you worked for National Kidney Foundation for some time. And so um, I think I just would love to hear what you have to say about that. 
Sure. I think, you know, you're spot on when we talk about, you know, the disparate representation on the waiting list. It does exist. Many people that are waiting for a kidney are people of color. Um, I think they're, it exists because of health conditions, chronic health conditions that are prevalent in the African-American community, um, diabetes, hypertension. Those are some of the leading causes of renal failure. And so I think there are a few barriers to donation that even in my work with NKF and my work um, just as a donor advocate, there are some true barriers, especially in our community. And I'd say one of them is really lack of transplantation awareness. Mm -hmm. So it was so important for me to be able to use my story that I never get tired of telling, but it helped me open that door for people who were not interested, didn't understand why I would do something like that, have a lot of um, myths about, you know, healthcare and mistrust of the medical community. Um, and, you know, some of it is historically justified. So mm-hmm. there are reasons why people don't trust the medical community. And if you are not made aware of, you know, really what some of the truths are, you can get stuck right there where you are so closed off to not even wanting to get the information because of what you heard or may have believed or has been passed down to you and you hold on to, to on you hold on to it like gospel you know and yes. so that is really impactful to our communities because we thrive so much on that tight knit like what i hear from my grandma or from my this or from auntie or from whoever else and when they tell you that you stick with it and and that's what you do and it was hard to kind of break down some of those barriers just in the areas of transplantation awareness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so let me ask you a tough question how how do you think we're doing in breaking down those barriers and what do you think we could be doing better because the to me the 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 fact of the matter is us not breaking down those barrier barriers and people not really kind of taking the time to get that transplant transplant awareness mm-hmm. ultimately could be a death sentence for a lot sure. of people because as you mentioned the diseases diabetes hypertension those are silent killers right mm-hmm. and a lot of times people are ignoring the symptoms it's not you know at a level where they're feeling so sick and then boom, they're, you know, stage four renal failure. So in your view, what, like, what could we be doing differently? I think really drawing on the experiences of people who have done it before, you know, really building up that donor community to help dispel some of those myths. And so I remember being at a health fair. Um, It was held at a local high school when I was doing program um, community education work. And there was a woman that came up to my table, you know, it's fully dressed with um, the organization's stuff and tons of giveaways and all this knowledge and information that is available. And when she saw the word kidney, she walked away from the table and said like, oh no, I'm not giving any kidneys. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, hey, hold on a second, come back. You know what I mean? Why is that? And she just started rattling off all of these things like, well, you know, um, if you happen to give a kidney and you something get something goes wrong with you or you put it on your driver's license then they're not going to you know doctors aren't going to try to take care of you or the way she ran away from the table I'm like well hold on a second even if even if we did organ transplant and transplants 
because right now there is no way I'm going to sign you up for an organ transplant right here on this folding table in the high school gymnasium. We're just having a conversation. We're just having a conversation about it. So even that was like an immediate runaway of no, no, no. I don't want to even know anything. I don't want to hear about it. And so when I told her, what if I told you I was a living kidney donor? And she didn't really understand what that meant. And I said, I have one kidney inside of me and one of my kidneys inside of someone else. I transplanted to a 12-year-old boy. He had this, you know, health complication. And now he's, you know, thriving. He's alive and well and healthy. And she said, you changed my perspective because I had never met anybody that actually did it. And I said, well, I actually did it. And I serve as a donor buddy to help other people just consider it. And so I'm not here to ask you, will you donate a kidney? I'm here to ask you, will you be open to learning more about organ donation and transplantation? And how can I help you just become aware? And whether it's the right decision for you or not, would you just be open to more education about it? And so I I was able to get her ear that way, but Mm -hmm. using that my own platform for people who don't have that, it's really difficult to break down that barrier. And I do feel like the only reason why she listened to me is because it wasn't handed down. It wasn't hearsay. It wasn't a story. It was, you are looking at a person that was on an operating table and now I'm here alive and well. Who looked like her? Who looked like her. Do you think that that also had some influence? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Even when people say, you know, if you donate a kidney, you know, you're going to have health problems or, you know, a lot, I got a lot of, times I got hit with this question of like, well, why would you donate right now when you're young, you don't have children? What is going to happen when you have a child that might need a kidney? You're not going to be able to give them one because you don't have one. And that's a good question. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. I was always, even in my mid twenties, mature and focused enough to say, we are not going to we're not going to make decisions on hypothetical children that are not here, not right. planned for, not ready for when we have a child in front of us that is going to not do so well. He's going to stay on dialysis five days a week. Right. We don't know what could happen with him. We're going to focus on him and the need in front of us, not hypothetical needs. And so just having that, the dialogue was was impactful. And just really, again, using my experience looking and resembling the person that I'm trying to get their attention, having a true and factual story told from me by me was probably, that's the greatest advantage. And so growing that living kidney donor base of people of color that can stand in front of somebody else and say, you can do it. I did it. I had the same, you know, maybe miss, or I had the same misconceptions as you did Mm -hmm. and look where I am now. And it does work. That's Mm going to be probably most impactful. Mm. I I completely agree. I think that those that those firsthand accounts of what that looked like for you um, could really be instrumental in helping more people understand. And and two, I think there's this sometimes we fear what we don't know. And so Mm -hmm. when when people are able to talk with other people about what it was like and people can ask, you know, whatever question. And I I'm sure as as you, since your experience and you've shared it, you've gotten a lot of questions, but at the same time, that that's how we educate ourselves. Right. My other question for you is, yes, you were, you were young in your twenties. 
how did your parents feel about this decision? I, I know you, I know you're, you're very determined. I say determined instead of stubborn, but determined. That's a good word. <laughs> so I can't imagine, but you know, your parents are lovely. So I'm just, I'm trying to figure out how did that sure. whole conversation, you just roll home and say, Hey, mom and dad. It was kind of like that. Yeah. I'm like, so I made a decision, you know, and luckily they knew Temple already. They had had an opportunity to meet her. Um, she had been introduced to my family and we loved her. You know, we loved her. We loved her voice. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they might have had a few more questions if this had been just, you know, someone that I did not know or they probably would have had some additional questions, you know, just because I'm their child and they want to make sure that this is a great decision that you're making, but you're also our kid and we want to make sure that you're okay. But, you know, I think it was the relationship that we had already had with Temple and her family. Um, they knew Caleb, they knew Kyle and Corey, and they knew the health complications with the boys. Um, they also knew ultimately what was at stake if somebody didn't do it. And so when I did tell them, I've made a decision that I'm going to donate my kidney to Caleb. They were kind of like, okay, you know, so let's talk through what that looks like. What support are you going to need from us? And, you know, when you do donate a kidney, there are things that you have to think about um, just, you know, psychologically. Are you mm -hmm. going to be okay? You're going to need emotional support. You're going to need someone to take care of you. So it was more logistics. Like, okay, so when do you plan on this happening so we can take off work, so we can be with you in the hospital, so we can take care of you when you come home? And it was easy. It was, my parents are super open-minded. They are believers as well. And when I told them how I came at this decision, I'm like, I heard you are going to give him one. And I just said it and did it. And it worked out perfectly. They don't need any other explanation. They're like, then it is so let's just get it done. And how proud of you they must be sure to make, to make such a big decision and also know that, you know, everything that they poured into you as a child just came to fruition. You oh, just yeah. this selfless individual that, you know, said, yes, this is, yes. this is what I've been called to do and I'm going to do it. And, yeah. and you did it. Yeah. And I'm very proud. Yes. <laughs> and, and a few years later, you received additional blessings in mm -hmm. <laughs> these, these two beautiful children that you oh, have. Oh yeah. Yes. So, so that's, you know, and I think that that's one of those, again, it's one of those pieces, you know, I think sometimes there's this idea that maybe you can't do things that you would want to do in your life or somehow being a, a living kidney donor is going to disrupt something. But you, I mean, you've just, you've shown just through your life, you've, you, how old are your children? Um, Dominic is 10. He is in the fifth grade and Kendall is nine. She's in fourth grade. So right. nine and 10 years old. And they're, they're doing amazing. Yes, and, they are. And I, you have all the energy in the world to keep up with them, but <laughs> yep. it's, I mean, what a blessing. It really sure. is a blessing. And that is something that, you know, people have asked me, you know, after you donate, well, what can't you do? And I'm like, well, I probably can't do the same things that I shouldn't be doing anyway. You know what I mean? Right. I'm like, 
So I don't think that there are things that I can't do. I truly don't have any limitations, you know, even people are like, well, what about, you know, additional doctor's appointments? And I'm like, well, I am dedicated to making sure that I meet with my physician. I get my labs checked every single year. I don't want any surprises, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's something that also you should be committed to whether you donated a kidney or not, you know, your own health and well-being. And so I don't have any true limitations on things that I cannot do. You know, I, I joke all the time, and you know this, just a couple weeks after donating a kidney, I went skiing with my friends. And so, like, and it hurt, you know, that probably like, wasn't the best idea. You probably shouldn't have been, but. <laughs> but I did do it. I was not going to miss out. And I'm like, I'm feeling good now. So I might have overdone it just a little bit. You know, I probably could have given that a couple more weeks, but I did it and it was fine. And so I don't have any limitations and it has not negatively impacted me in any way that I can think of. Right, right. So what would you say to the person that is listening today and they know someone who is in need and Mm -hmm. they're just, they're, they're kind of going through that, that, that process. What would you say to that person contemplating this kind of decision? (laughs) Yeah, it is a big decision and it is worth contemplation for sure. You know, you want to make sure it is the right thing for you to do and for you and your family to do. I would just say, you know, be open, ask a lot of questions, connect with someone like me or someone that has actually gone through with the procedure. We will answer any questions that you have about it. I remember every single thing in the order vividly, like it was yesterday. And I know like the further we get away from the actual transplantation date, I can recall every single thing as if it were last week. And so I remember every step of the process and and just having that donor buddy even in the beginning stages, whether you've committed to do it or not, ask as many questions as possible and just determine if it is something that you can do. And if you can't do it, take that knowledge and share it with somebody else. It might not be the right time for you. You may have your own health complications or limitations that would make this not a possibility for you, but share that knowledge so that other people around that person that needs the kidney are aware of actually what they could get themselves into and the blessing that could come out of it. But it's just about, again, open communication, dialogue, talking, sharing, raising that level of awareness, because if it's not right for you, you can share that information, what you learned, and it could be right for the person next to you or right for the family member that's kind of silent and hasn't been saying anything and soaking it in. The other thing from the donor side is, you know, people are getting much more vocal about what they need. So you have seen people before it seemed, you know, like it was something shameful or I don't know, but it's just quiet. And now people are just way more vocal. They will put out a billboard, a flyer, a hashtag, because you just never know where that kidney could come from. And so for the recipient, just being brave enough to just open your mouth and say, this is what I need. Just like Tim Temple did. Mm -hmm. What does your son need? He needs a kidney. That's Mm -hmm. what he needs. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I happen to say yes. And so from both sides, just open into that, enter into that dialogue openly and understand and just get as much information as you possibly can. So you can make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, I think so much has changed from when you donated to Caleb to now, because you see, you see the asks everywhere. You mm-hmm. see them on yard signs, billboards, yep. social media, 
Um, newspaper articles, like do it. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. And that, I mean, that is in part because the, the wait list continues to increase. And that, that's the part that I think it's so important to highlight that wait list is not, it's not going down, it's increasing. And again, it is people of color who make up the majority of that wait list uh, for kidney transplants. So at some point we really have to kind of step in and say, okay, we're gonna, yes, we know that there were horrible medical practices that are in our, our, our history, but we've got to figure out a way to move forward and how do we push past that so now we can empower our community to help one another and just help mm-hmm. others. Yeah. And so and I think there's a little bit of impact too, just from the living, you know, when you talk about the wait list, imagine how disheartening it would be, you know, if you were on dialysis and you got the news that you need a kidney, right? Already you're in stage four and you need a kidney. And by the way, there's a, a few hundred people on it in front right. of you. You know what right. I mean? That to me is like, I don't want I don't want people's names to end up on there. And then you sit on there for years and years and years waiting instead of just having donors that are informed and that can say, even if I don't want to do it as a living donor, it's not something I want to do while I'm alive. Caleb's brother, um, Kyle, received a kidney from a deceased donor. So that was someone that gave the gift of life, you know, from a tragic situation or losing Mm -hmm. someone. Mm -hmm. So even if that's the direction you go is that when I'm not here anymore, the legacy Mm -hmm. I want to leave behind is that I want someone to live on. Um, There's power in both of those things. You know what I mean? And and both Caleb and Kyle are doing extremely well. They had transplants a year apart, um, one from a living donor, one from a deceased donor. And thank God that they didn't have to stay on the wait list as long as some people have been on there and people pass away every day waiting for that gift and they it just never comes and so the more that you can engage in those conversations and try to get people especially living donors it's going to be your highest level and highest rate of success I feel like it because you get you get through the process much quicker there's not that waiting period it's just I've identified my donor let's start the testing and then we have our Mm -hmm. transplant instead of imagine just waiting every single day trying to get that call and then the sun rises and goes down and you didn't get it and you do it again and again and again year after year that supply of living donors um, is so critical it really really is if we want to talk about getting the list down and I've I've say I've I've just it's been amazing to see over the years the number of people who are stepping up to say I just want, I, I will be an altruistic kidney donor, oh, yes. meaning mm-hmm. I don't know who I can donate to, but I'm going to walk through this process and I will do it if I sure. can help somebody else. Sure. That's the ultimate, you know, when you don't even know where it's going, you just know it's going to help somebody. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. uh, they are some true heroes that do that just out of the kindness and the love in their heart to be able to do that. That's yes. yeah, that's amazing. Yes. So our time is nearing the end, Okay. Okay. (laughs) but is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners? Um, I think, you know, again, it's such an honor. You know, I I enjoy telling this story. I love telling this story. Um, 
just because you never know who is going to listen to it, who it could help, who could unlock something within somebody else to say, maybe I might even consider, maybe I might look into it. Again, when I was in my mid twenties, the extent of my kidney knowledge was you have two of them. You only need one of them. And so for someone that's pretty fat, you know what I mean? I'm like, I just know you need two. And you know, when they're not so healthy, you're going to have some problems. That was the extent of my knowledge about kidney disease. And so as I start, started to get more involved in I after the transplant I became a you know huge donor and um, advocate and um, just for organ donation transplantation uh, kidney disease awareness you just learn so much and so if I can continue to use this platform for years and years to come and just kind of help people understand the process what it's like and most importantly how rewarding it really is um, mm -hmm. this is allow opened so many doors just to help me and what organ donation and transplantation is and what it isn't. I've been a donor champion for mm -hmm. Life Center. I've been a part of, you know, the ceremonial annual flag raising ceremonies. And I'm a donor buddy, which is somebody that'll walk with you through the process after you've agreed to donate your kidney and just will be with you through the process the so whole you time. Have, you have done that. Oh yeah, I've done it three times so far. My have very you first really? Oh yeah, he donated his kidney uh, to his dad. Um, we met through social media. We've never met. And um, I was on a donor buddy registry. He picked me out and we connected by phone. And mm -hmm. I just told him my experience. I was there for him the day of the surgery. I, you know, I called him, sent him messages, followed up. How are you doing? How did your test results come back? And that is such a rewarding process because from start to finish, and you know, when you get it to the end and him and his dad are doing amazing it is so rewarding to be able to see, you know, that I actually did help somebody. And so wow. even post-transplant, you know, 13 when was, years When later, was their, when did they have their transfer? He did the transplant. Andrew transplanted to his father. I would say this is maybe two years after okay. I transplanted to Caleb. And so that has been a really rewarding experience, just being a donor buddy where I'm like, all right, when you get to this test, this is what you can expect. You know and what that's I mean? So like, important though to <laughs> yeah. help people because you know there, there's like we said, there's there's some fear with uncertainty. And so sure. to be able to reach out to you and I think oh wow. Even to like, so what should I pack? You know, yes. for my for my yeah. stay, I'm like, all right, you're going to be here for a few days. It's really important that you unpack them. You pack some comfy clothes or pack a lot of movies. It was so funny for me and Caleb. We transplanted at Cincinnati Children's. And so I watched endless cartoons because it's the children's hospital. And I remember probably should have packed some movies or DVDs at the time. You know, we weren't doing a ton of streaming, but I'm like, oh man, it would have been nice to have some, you know, kind of grown up movies if I wanted to watch something. So I remember watching endless cartoons and Nickelodeon and Disney and all of these channels that would be in a children's hospital. So just even little things like that, you know right. what I mean? Like you're going to need that. And I would have never even thought of that. I was too focused on donating the kidney to even care about that part. Right. Right. Wow. Kelly, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Can you throw out one fun fact that people would like to know about Miss Kelly Williams that we wouldn't know? I would say, well, I throw it out about me and the kids. Um, my children and I love roller coasters. 
And one fun fact is we travel the country going to roller coaster and amusement parks. My son has an ultimate bucket list and we check off at least 10, I would say 20 coasters every single summer. No we way. have it mapped out. Yeah, we've been to Texas and North Carolina and we ride the tallest, fastest, steepest. It is just something that we do. My son reviews them on his own little YouTube Does um, he channel. Really? Yeah, we so is he gonna be a YouTuber too? There's all the my kids. I know he's always like, Give me a channel. I'm like, Oh, okay. I don't know. It's pretty cute though. He is, um, he's into it and he knows all the stats and he reads up on the speeds. And it's, I'm trying to just foster that, you know, um, in him. And so if that's what he wants to do, it makes for good family travel. And you can catch us at an amusement park flying the tallest, fastest, steepest coaster. Um, ever. And that's what we do. <laughs> oh, yeah. How fun is that? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, again, thank you. Um, I just, as I've always say, you are beautiful inside and out. Thank you. You're funny. You're brave. Um, and I just, I appreciate your openness about, about what you did. And, and just, you know, I hope, I, my hope is that it will connect with with someone and i appreciate sure. you know your willingness to to be a donor buddy to kind of pay it forward and help others through it as well and yeah. and not you know make it less less scary because of course it yeah it could be you know be. just not knowing what to expect and so i feel like in that way you're you're kind of knocking down some barriers and just you know saying yes i did this and here i am right. and, and i can walk with you too and help you so thank you for just being who you are. We appreciate you in the donation community. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So with that, I want to remind all of our listeners that today, 106,681 people are waiting for life-saving organ transplants. Your registration to be a donor can be life-changing and life-saving for someone else. And these people, they're, they're women, they're men, they're children, they're our neighbors, they're people that we live and work with in our communities. And they're also complete strangers who just need help. Kelly was able to help Caleb. And we encourage you to think about doing that and doing your research. And you can visit lifepassiton.org to get informed to be empowered, and to learn the truths about donation. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank Kelly again. And I just want to remind you, be kind to yourself and to others. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Life Center. You have the potential to help save and enhance the lives of others, those who suffer from chronic illness or the effects of traumatic events. Statistics have shown that a new name is added to the national waiting list every 10 minutes. You have the opportunity to help others and save lives. You have the power to donate life. By designating your decision to become a donor, you have the opportunity to change the lives of many and save up to eight lives. Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana say yes to donation by registering to become an organ, eye, or tissue donor today. Go to lifepassiton.org for more information. Thanks to LifeSetter for their continued support.
Thank you for listening to This Thing Called Life. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcast to make sure you get updates on all new episodes. And we would truly appreciate it if you would share, like, or give us a review to help us grow.